All right. Well, let me. We've got a few more. Oh, we've got another one over here. Praise God. All right. Thank you. And I think, Mike, what time are your volunteers coming here? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. What time? Okay. Um, pray for us this week. Well, pray for Mike and the volunteers. Um, we're going to make some, the board has approved some transitional things with uh, AV sound that we've been uh, wanting for a long time. We're actually going to take, we, wave at Jacob back there. Jacob is like a really excellent. He, we are going to take that sound booth down. We're going to relocate it for both sound purposes and uh, other reasons. We're going to move that centrally. So when you come in next week, There'll be some transitions that you'll see. We're actually making some transition for our dancers on the stage. So uh, pray for us this week. It's a lot to be done. Pray for Mike as he coordinates. He, he has modified several of my houses when my wife had her plans and dreams, and he's very, very capable, so I know that. But just pray for blessing on him. All right, Pastor Michael Thornton, would you stand and let's welcome Pastor Mike. Well, let's pray. Let's stretch a hand out, Torrance. Thank Lord, I thank you for the deposit of the Whoa. good word of gold in his, <laughs> in his life, Lord. We Jesus. just want to pull it out, extract it. Lord, wow. I, I'm anxious to hear what he has to say. I'm yes. excited about it. So, Lord, release it, Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on. How's everybody doing today? It's a good day, isn't it? Come on, it could always be worse. That's what I, I like to say. Because, you know, sometimes we can have bad days, but I always say it can always be worse. So this is a great day. It's a good day. So glad you're here. Anybody love Jesus in the house? Come on. Come on. Isn't he good? All the time. Well, I, uh, I'm, I'm just so glad uh, I have the opportunity, of course, and it's always a blessing and a privilege. And um, so I'm excited. Uh, I've been sharing more and more as, I, as I'm getting older. I just want to get right to the point and just really get into it. Amen? So I have a, a word this morning. We, I put an outline together. Uh, pardon me. I didn't have much time to put it together, so I may or may not stick to it and veer. You know, we'll just let the Lord lead this thing. But I, I feel like I do have the topic, and uh, the topic is transition. How many know what transition is? How many are going through transition right now? Look at that. <laughs> Oh, man, it's part, of, uh, it's part of this walk. It's part of this life, you know. Um, I, I've thought a lot about this topic, and um, you could probably take it a lot further than I can bring it to you this morning. But I think two of the major uh, transitions that we go through is both relationally or regionally. And I think relational transition falls under, you know, you're, you're running with people and things happen. And, you know, the Lord moves like a Paul and Barnabas deal. And the Lord begins to move and separate people out of your life family and friends, you know, they've come for a season, and you run for a season, and then God begins to transition you in different ways. Another way is regional, and, you know, you put in moving or career change, you're moving in places, job, you know, that's also a transition phrase uh, that can come in. So um, I just want to speak to you this morning about transition, and, you know, it comes to us all, doesn't it? And what I've learned about transition is that it could be, it could be very shaky, it can be scary. And when it comes, and the best way that I can describe it, I just want to just hit a home run on this thing. I, I felt like for, in my personal life, I, I think back because I've went through several, several transitions in one now. And sometimes this is what to me it feels like. It feels like 
the Lord is just not there in a sense. You know, you know he's always there, but he just removes himself from you. Have you ever just pick up the Bible one day and, and you read it and you feel so secure in what you're reading? You feel so sure of what it's saying. You can grasp it. You have revelation. You have direction and insight. But then there's days where you just open the Bible and nothing's changed and you cannot figure it out. You can't connect the verse. You have no idea what it's saying, and your mind is wandering over and over. Sometimes for me, and I'll go to spend time and open the Bible, and by, I don't even know where to read. And for like 20 minutes, I'm just figuring out where to read, and I've not read anything. Do you hear what I'm saying? So this is transition. Uh, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable place. It's designed to be uncomfortable. It's designed to stretch us, to pull us. And do, and do many things. But I want to encourage us this morning that there is a reason why you're going through the transition you're going through. God is doing something behind the scenes and it is really designed to strengthen us. It's designed to strengthen our identity in Christ. It's designed to strengthen who we are. It's designed for alignment, right? It's always about aligning us to the next season, positioning us for advancement in the kingdom and the calling in our lives. And so uh, that's just kind of an overview of what, of what I feel transition is. And uh, I want to just kind of dive into it. So there's, there's three things. I just want to come at it to you like this. I feel like in times of transition, there are some dangers. And I just want to put this, not for like a fearful thing, but to have wisdom and discernment. So you know how to respond when times get rocky. Because there is a response that we can take in times of transition to help get us through. So that's what I want to share this morning. So I want to talk about the first danger that I, I, I've experienced when we go through transition. And I just call it the danger of worldly thinking or cardinal thinking. What do you mean by that? I mean that there's a temptation to become more like legalistic or Pharisee mindset. When we're in transition, why? Because everything that we thought we knew or everything that has worked in the past all of a sudden brushes away. And we're just in this tight place where we have to rely on the now. We have to get God's word now. So I want you to turn your Bibles with me to Matthew 12. And I want to pick up in a story right there about, about transition and about how to be on guard from, from drifting back into worldly thinking when we're walking with the Lord. Uh, Matthew 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 this story you may be familiar with, but it's about a story where Jesus is walking with his disciples through the grain field, through the wheat field. And they get hungry and they start eating the wheat. I'd probably do the same thing because I love to eat. And um, so they were walking through the wheat field and they just began to break it open and start eating. And as they do, there's the Pharisees, they're right there, right? And, and what do they do? They, they basically chastise the disciples for eating. So Jesus responds. So I want to pick up there. It says in verse 1, At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry. Highlight that word, hungry. It's a key word in this passage, hungry. And began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look. Your disciples is doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? There's that word again. He entered the house of God and his companions ate the consecrated bread. We know that was the show bread, the bread of presence only designated for priests, which was not lawful for them to do so, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? 
I tell you, one greater than the temple is here. And if you had only known what these words mean, I desire mercy more than I desire sacrifice. So what some elements I just want you to circle is the Pharisees, the word hunger, and the disciples. And what I began to unpack is I thought, started thinking about how, how does this all connect? How can we be in the times of transition in danger of thinking like Pharisees? You see, Pharisees, if you kind of study Jewish law, they were real particular on the word, right? Well, this thing is about the Sabbath day. According to Jewish custom, there were 39 laws, if you will, or use a better word, amendments. There were maybe 39 amendments that they came up with to describe the Sabbath law. It was very simple. Jesus said, keep the Sabbath, right? It's a day of rest. That's what the word said, but the Pharisees came and tacked on 39 rules and regulations on their own interpretation of what the word says. And they begin to judge the disciples on the basis of their own interpretation of the word. What are you saying? The danger in becoming like a Pharisee in time of transition is that we place a higher value on the rules and regulations of our own relationship with the Lord and we place a higher value on that than we do the people we're in relationship with. And it, it can happen very easily. It can happen in the way, you know, work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. And many of us are walking our ways with the Lord. And there's different things that we're accustomed to. But sometimes we can let how we approach the word or approach our relationship, sometimes we can allow that to block the relationship with people we're around. And if we do so, we can drift over into that kind of mindset in kind of that, that thinking. So look what Jesus is doing. He is unraveling the value system of the Pharisees. And he's showing them through the David story that God places a higher value on hunger for the Lord more than just sacrificing your Christian duty. And, you know, I just started thinking about that and it just made, it made a lot of sense to me. Think about it. They attached 39 rules to that word. People, us, I'll take it closer. Believers, if you've accepted Jesus, we're believers, whatever stage. If you've only known the Lord for a day or you've been with him for 50 years, we are generally made up of three things. And we bring these three things into our relationship with the Lord. This doesn't go away. And this is it. Number one, we bring how much biblical knowledge we know into our relationship with the Lord. Some of us may know Bible stories or Sunday school lessons or, or something or whatever knowledge to our current understanding of the Bible, you follow me? That's what we bring into our relationship with the Lord. Maybe you don't have one. Maybe you had a little bit. I don't know. But the point is, we bring that into our relationship with the Lord. The second thing is our life experiences, right? How you experience life. How, how, how you experience difficulties or victories or triumphs or whatever. You bring that into the equation. You bring that into your relationship with the Lord. The third thing is our traditions, how we are raised in our, in our homes, whether we came from a fatherless home, whether we came from a godly home, we bring those traditions into our relationship with the Lord. And the danger is in times of transition, see, in normal time, it's like we're secure, we know the Lord, we hear the word, we're moving, we're responding, we're focused. But when the transition comes, we lose all sense of that security. And it's very easy to drift back to the way we used to do it. 
and try to apply that to the now and where we're at with the Lord. Is that making sense? Just because daddy said do it, don't make it right. Daddy may have had a good intention, but it not be rooted in what God wanted to do. And so a lot of times we can drift right on back and, and, and trying to do that. So I just, I just as I, 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 in my own life, I just see that over and over. You see, transition is like being trapped. That's what I call, it's like, if I can describe it, it's like being trapped. Have you ever felt trapped in your relationship with the Lord? In the sense that he'll bring you to a place and you feel like he's brought you to a dead end? Like he, you know he led you, you know he's working through your life, you know you came to this spot and then all of a sudden he's like, whoosh, and he's gone. And you don't know what to do and it's like he's left you in the middle of nowhere. Take heart, be encouraged. That's the transition that we all go through. But the reason he's doing that, you see, he's doing something marvelous and spectacular. See, it's not so much that he's trying to get us to learn new things as much as he's trying to get us to unlearn old things. It's not so much he's trying to get us to learn new lessons or new things as much as he's trying to get us to unlearn the old ways and the old things. So he engineers, he develops these circumstances, transition, it comes to our life, and basically one of the big points is he wants to transform our thinking. He wants to transform our mind because what we could bring into the equation, he doesn't want to do that. Because here's the reality. I'm going to make a statement. I believe it's true. You could weigh it. You can judge it. I believe in times of transition, your past experience cannot allow you to over- overcome your present difficulties. Your past experience cannot allow you to overcome your present difficulties. Let me give an example. Many of you know that we have a tent here ministry. We call it the Jesus tent. Some of you don't know we have a Jesus tent ministry. And a year ago, we went to Goldsboro, North Carolina, with an assignment of the Lord for seven days. He gave us a theme. He gave us the word out of Joshua, seven days marching around Jericho. We would raise presents in the city, and walls would fall. And we went on that approach, and we saw great fruit and results. A year later, he had us in Wilmington, and we set up the same tent in Wilmington. But I believe if we would have tried to do the old approach that we did in Goldsboro and apply it into the now, into the new season, it would have never been effective as it, as, it, as it was. You follow what I'm saying? We can't rely on past victories or past experiences to get us through the present difficulties. We got to press in. To get fresh bread, look what he said. David said he hungered. Because he hungered, he had access to not just any bread, but fresh bread, the consecrated bread that only priests could get. And in this sense, David's hunger broke the law. It broke that law of regulation and rule in order a higher law of truth and righteousness would come in. You and I have access when we begin to move in that way. And the way to respond to this thing is we stay hungry. Very simple, but very profound. If we stay hungry and connected to the Father via the prayer room, our worship, our increasing, our Bible study, our fasting, our prayer, then that is a way we can respond in that time of transition. Hunger of the Lord. Why why is that so powerful? I want you to go real quick with me to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. 
It's a, it's a phenomenal story. I, I love it. It's, it's a really old Bible story, but it's so good. 2 Kings chapter 6. So how do we respond in that kind of transition? We got to get hungry, y'all. We got to get hungry. I, I don't know about you, but I like to stay hungry. You know, you can determine the measure of hunger you carry. I feel that that's our responsibility in this thing. I don't think the Lord can do that. I mean, he could do anything he wants to, but I think it's really the responsibility on us to decide how much uh, depth or measure of hunger we can carry. So I, I want to talk to you about hunger in time of transition and, and, and the benefits of that. Okay, in 2 Kings 6, it's a story about not Elijah, but Elisha, the prophet, the second one, remember? The double portion guy. He has an incredible ministry of miracles, signs, and wonders. In this particular chapter, it's about the axe head that fell off into the Jordan River. He threw a stick in it, and it floated to the top. I could never understand this story until the Lord gave you some revelation on it. But what I want us to see this morning is there's two characters here. There's, there's Elisha the prophet, and he had a servant. Anybody know what the servant's name was? Gehazi. Gehazi, Gehazi. I believe that Gehazi was being trained up to take Elisha the prophet's place. Just as Elijah had trained Elisha, I just kind of believe that. It doesn't say that, but as you read it closely, I really believe he was trying to pour into this young man and trying to train him up to take his place as prophet in the nation. Because there was a school of prophets, but this was different. This was like the prophet of prophets. This was like, you know, different. You know, this was authority for the nation. And what we read about Gehazi is he didn't get it right. He messed up. And his biggest struggle was this issue. In times of transition, he would revert back to old thinking and old patterns to try to do the new thing. So in, in this chapter uh, 6 in 2 Kings, right when we pick up, right before that, remember Naaman had leprosy. Elisha the prophet says, dip in the Jordan seven times. He's cleansed. But Gehazi becomes greedful. He tries to get money and all that stuff. And it says that Naaman's leprosy cling to Gehazi, so that he had leprosy. So now, from that point, we roll into chapter 6, verse 1. Now look at here. Then the company of prophets said to Elisha, look at the place where we meet for you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan. Highlight Jordan. What does Jordan represent to you and I right now? It represents a time of transition. Why? Because that's where Moses transitioned his leadership to Joshua. Then they crossed the Jordan River. Elijah transferred his leadership to Elisha. He struck the mantle, the Jordan River. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus and the Jordan River. This is a, a time of transition. Listen to what they said. So we're going down to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place for us to live. So they're regionally transitioning here now. He said, go. And then one said, won't you please come with us? I will, Elisha replied, and he went on down with them. And they went to the Jordan, and they began to cut down trees. And as one of them were cutting down a tree, an iron hacks fell, uh, fell into the water. Oh, my Lord, our last master, he cried out, it was borrowed. And the man of God asked, where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick, he threw it, and he made the iron float to the top. As you read the story on, and we'll pick back up in a minute, 
It doesn't say it there, but if you connect the dots, I believe that was Gehazi because of the way he addresses Elisha, alas, master, or my, my servant. This is, I believe with everything in me, Gehazi. And go there. Do you understand what's happening? Here's the prophets. They're all wanting to move location to the Jordan, transition, but there's some obstacles in the way. There's trees. In order to clear the trees, you got to cut them down with an ax. Hunger for the Lord is like a two-edged axe or a sword. And it has three distinct purposes. The first thing it does is it closes our minds to carnal thinking. Hunger has a natural connectedness with our minds to shut down worldly or carnal thinking and to go back to old behaviors. Because we are in a place of hunger and persistence with the Lord, it automatically shuts it down. Come on. And it leaves us open to the new thing. Romans said, don't be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your... What are the patterns of this world? The patterns of this world are man's wisdom, man's logic, our own intuition, our own ability, where we think we can move heaven that way, or we think we can fulfill the call of God in our life in the flesh or through what we think is right. That's the patterns of the world. But our mind is transformed, it's renewed, right? And then we can step into this greater thing. So hunger does that. It closes the mind to carnal thinking. The other thing that hunger does is it keeps the edge you got to stay edgy in this fight. Come on, man. You got you to gotta stay edgy. You got to keep your edge. You got to stay sharp. Listen, go dear. Here they are chopping the trees, clearing the land. And what happens to that axe head? It becomes dull. See, that's what can happen in transition if you're not careful. You can become dull. You can lose your edge. You can lose your sharpness. And all of a sudden, that thing is wearing down, and it's starting to slip. It's starting to slip and loosen it. That thing flows right off into the river. See, when you stay hunger, it keeps you sharp. You stay connected to the Lord and his presence, and it keeps your edge. And you know what happens? Then you have authority, come on, to clear the environment that you're around. The hunger inside of you that grows begins to mull down all the circumstances around you. And you don't become a product of the environment that you're in. But the environment becomes subjected to the hunger growing inside of you. Christ Jesus. And then we move to the place of letting our bad day define who we are to allowing Jesus define who we are. And those things have to bow because the word says they have to bow to the name of Jesus. Come on. Hunger, it has an ability to clear the environment that we're in. Because you're in obstacles, right? Don't you, you got, are anybody facing obstacles? Am I talking to anybody today? There, we have many obstacles in this, in this life. But when we stay hungry, we stay sharp, then the environment is cleared. And then what happens? We begin to go in another place. The third thing hunger does is it allows us to see. I'm staying on this first point pretty, pretty long. I'm going to probably float through the other ones. But this was the most important one to me, I felt. The third thing of hunger is sight. It gives us an extraordinary ability to see what we couldn't see before. You go read on with Gehazi. The next part of this thing is that the Syrians come. The very next portion of this, this Bible story. Syria now, they're upset with Elijah the prophet. They're ready to kill the man. And they, they, the king musters up an army. 
And if you remember the story, as the king mushers up an army, there's chariots and there's a whole raid of people coming to kill them, to get them. Elisha the prophet and, and Gehazi. And you know, remember what happens is that, is that all of a sudden Gehazi sees, and I want to pick up chapter 6. Verse 15, it says, and when the servant of the man of God, this is Gehazi, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked, don't be afraid, the prophet answered, because those who are with us are more than those who are against us. And the mountains were filled with chariots of fire, the heavenly hosts, the angel armies. You see, when you stay in a place of hunger, it gives you access to see what you couldn't see before. That's why transition is so important because God is not wanting you to use the old to see the new. He's wanting you to press into the now to get a new perspective on where he's taking things. He wants to give you a new vision of a new reality that can be brought into your life and circumstance if you hang in there and stay hungry with the Lord. You see, he was filled with fear. Why? Because he drifted back into carnal thinking. And because he was fearful, he could only see in the natural realm. He couldn't see up here. And when we do that, when we kind of step out of this thing and we let transition lead us, we let our feelings and emotions lead us more than the commitments that we have been making, then we can slip into this ocean of, oh, man, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do. But staying hungry, man, it keeps you sharp, keeps you focused, keeps you on track. Second thing, how to respond in times of transition there is a danger to be offended. Go to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, verses 11 through 14. There is a danger to be offended. I've learned that in times of transition, another thing that will happen, it is, it is heightened seasons for offense to come. I've, I, I, I know no one's never been through offense in here before, have they? Both on the receiving end and the giving end, huh? <laughs> it comes to us all. You know, we have to work through it. But there is a danger there in times of transition. Okay, in Matthew 27, verse 11, Jesus, we know, is standing before Pilate, right? He's getting ready to be crucified. He is in a deep season of transition, Garden of Gethsemane. What is the transition? His earthly ministry, life coming to an end, and his resurrection power and glory is coming. So he is in that transition period here. But this is what I want you to notice, a simple thing. This is very simple, but to me, it helped me out a lot. In Matthew 27, verse 11, I want to read that. It says, meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, which is Pilate, and Pilate asked him, are you king of the Jews? And Jesus says, yes, it is as you say. Look at the very next verse. When he was accused by the chief priest and the elders, he gave no answer. Pilate asked him, do you hear the testimony that they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, at the great amazement of the governor of Pilate. Accusations come in time of transition. How do you respond? You stay silent. 
Because there's an urge that comes inside of you and I to defend while we're right. There's an urge that comes from the inside of who we are to justify and defend why we are right. And you know what? We probably are. You probably are extremely right. But in this thing, it's not about us being right or wrong. It is about us surrendering and transforming into new creatures and new things. And for Jesus, he gives us the model. And he did not, don't you think he could have laid out the list? Man, he could have laid it out, but he didn't. He doesn't respond. He doesn't take the bait. John Brevere, of course, great revelation, the bait of Satan. Don't take the bait. Now, there comes a time, right, when you got to speak up. There comes a time where you got to share it and you got to speak truth. There comes that time. But in the time of accusation, in the time of transition, when you're being accused and your back's against the wall and you feel them coming down on you, oh, and everything inside of you wants to let them have it. Don't do it. <laughs> do like Jesus did. Surrender. And you know what happens? We don't think he's doing nothing, but he is doing something. His silence is a voice that speaks the loudest in the room. Because you know what he's doing? Isaiah 53, a thousand years before he got on the scene, prophesied he will be led like a lamb to a slaughter, and he will open his mouth not. Jesus in his silence is fulfilling prophecy and proactively his faith is bringing a prophecy into the now that is diffusing the accuser. Because when you justify and you begin in that arguing match, you bring yourself under their authority. You, you bring yourself under that authority. Because here's the reality, there is no right answer to an accusation. There is no right answer. Come on, it's brought by the accuser. It has one purpose, that's to steal, kill, and destroy you. Jesus stayed strong. Now, isn't that something? He answered Pilate, didn't he? He answered the question, but he was silent to the accusation. That's a word, I think, for you and I in time of transition. Remember, we are justified, y'all, by our faith. And not by our flesh, not by our works. We are justified by our faith. Let our faith do the talking. Let our faith handle the case. I'm telling you, God will proactively come on your, your behalf. Amen? Here's, here's just, a, just throw out a word I feel on this. I was thinking about it. You know, like I said, I put all this out. Y'all judge it and receive it. But I felt like the Lord spoke this. Truth is a funny thing. And I think it's designed to be released in a certain way. And I think the difference is the truth is designed to be released rather than defended. I was always taught that, Michael, you don't have to defend the truth. The truth will always defend itself. Always. And I, Lord, I begin to speak to me. Why? Because in John 1, it said Jesus came, the word, right? He was full of grace and truth. He wasn't one or the or. He married the two. He was the perfect marriage of grace and truth expressed into the earth. And so I think the greatest way for you and I to catch that thing is that we can release truth. We can, we can, we can, we can release truth rather than try to defend it. Come on. Amen? Amen? Remember that next time when you're up against the wall. You have an opportunity. Yes, you can release truth. But don't try to defend it. Timothy's very clear. Don't get in argue matches. Don't, don't get in quarrels. 
He said, the saints of God should not quarrel. You should not get in arguments. But you stand for what is right. You do what is right. And God's going to come and bring grace and truth on your behalf. Amen? The last thing that I want to speak about is the danger of responding to the need. The danger of responding to the need or out of the need. So y'all, y'all know me. I, I like to eat, right? You've heard. You've, I think you've caught on to that. So, uh, so Amber got one of these things called a pressure cooker. Do y'all know what a pressure cooker is? I, I had no idea what it was. I knew what the oven was. I knew what the fry pot was, but I did not really know the pressure cooker until she got it. And um, I was amazed by it because it, it, she would take this meat that would take like an hour to bake, and you'd put it in the pressure cooker. And that thing would be cooked instantly almost. I mean, great. And it was good. It was tender. It was soft. And um, I was asking about this the other day. And it was like, I didn't know how that worked. I wanted to know how it worked. So apparently it has all this heat. It just, it just really draws all this heat, intense heat, to where the pressure is so great, so strong, that it can cook a meal a lot quicker than, than you could bake it in the oven. The pressure cooker. The danger and transition is we can go into the pressure cooker. And here's the pressure cooker. The pressure cooker is when we know God is withdrawn from us and we're in a season in our life where we don't know the next step to take. We don't know what direction to go. We don't know if we're supposed to be where we're at. We don't know if we're supposed to be running, who we're supposed to be running with. And things get very cloudy. They get very murky. I liken it to like this. I'm going to run a rabbit real quick. Transition in this way is like this. If you're driving on the interstate, now this is pre-GPS days. This is like print off directions from MapQuest day or even the old map. But if you had a directions, let's say you were making an eight-hour trip somewhere. And you go about five hours into that trip and all of a sudden the fog rolls in. And it is so dense and so thick, you can't see. And you can't see the exits, you can't see any road signs, and you're just going. About several hours into that thing, if you're like me, maybe, maybe not, but like me, I'll start thinking. And I'll be thinking, man, am I going the right way? I'm not seeing a sign in a long time. I hope I'm not going west when I'm supposed to be going east. Man, am I going south? You know, and, 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 and that'll start coming, right? You feel that anxiety. You feel that panic. You feel that pressure come on. And then right when you get to the exit, you know that you see it right when you get up on it. And then, and then you can get off. That's kind of this transition, And back to the pressure cooker, I think one of the most hardest things to do is that when we're in transition and this stuff's going on, there's always a need to fill, it seems. There's always a need that needs to be filled. And you struggle with, is this a God need or is this like me wanting to meet this need? And you really don't know. And you go to the Lord in prayer, but he's silent because you're in transition. So you got to try to figure it out on your own. I call that the pressure cooker because I feel like what's happening is there is a trap of the enemy to to respond out of the place of need instead of out of the place of security, faith, and trust. And that's a hard test. I, I I, I can say I have failed that thing. God has brought good out of it, but I have failed at that test. And I have responded, I believe, in my life sometimes out of need because I saw the need and needed to be fulfilled. And if, right, don't you even hear that sometimes? Oh, find a need and fulfill it. Maybe not so. 
Because maybe not every need is supposed to be fulfilled. Because Jesus didn't fulfill every need. So we got to be locked in. We got to be focused, especially in this time, that we're not overexerting ourselves to fill a need that we're not supposed to be filling. Galatians 4, I love it. The Apostle Paul, we're going to land the plane. The Apostle Paul teaches basically in Galatians, there's a couple different ways you could live this life. You can live according to Hagar and Ishmael, or you can live according to Sarah and Isaac. One, you can live and you get the blessing. The other, you live and you get the inheritance. And he goes through this way. And as I thought about that, that's really true because if, if we respond out of the need, God's going to bless it. He's going to be with you, you know, but you're going to have to take care of that Ishmael. We were listening to a, a John Bevere message, and he said a great quote. He said, what is birth in the flesh, you're going to have to take care of in the flesh. I think what's birthed in the spirit has to be taken of in the spirit. If God gives you something and you know it's birthed in the spirit, but later down the road in transition, you try to in the flesh maneuver that thing, it, it, it doesn't work. That was what was happening in Galatia. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, trying to finish in the flesh what God began in the spirit. So I feel that when we need to be aware because if we respond out of the place of need in that time, yes, we'll get a blessing, but we'll miss out on the inheritance. We'll miss out on the inheritance. But if we wait for the timing of the Lord to come, we wait for our exit to come on that interstate, and we don't get off prior or after, we get off on that exit, and he'll let you know right there before you get off, then we won't even, we won't just have the blessing, y'all. We will have the inheritance. And there's a difference between just having a blessing and having the inheritance. So many people settle for the blessing because they can't hang in there for the inheritance. But if you can hang in there and resist that urge to meet a need and rush into something and wait for God's perfect timing in his will, then you have access to inheritance. And what is that inheritance? You will, I believe, you will have full access to his favor, his grace, not just a little bit of it, not the blessing part, the fullness of it, his provision, his, his righteousness, his love, you'll have access to everything he has access to. Because he said, you're seated with me on high in heavenly places. You are not just a servant. You're not just a slave. You're not just a child of God. You are co-heirs. Co-heirs with Christ. And so you and I, guys, we have an inheritance to live an abundant life far above than what we've been living. And don't you see, that's what transition does. It's all about transformation. We are transitioned to be transformation, to release that in where we go and, and what we do. It is a process that we all go through. Come on. But I'll tell you what, man, Jesus is so good. He'll see us through. I want to close with this story. Um, I've, I've shared this individually sometimes, but I just feel it's a really good story. Amber and I, we... Um, we, uh, Lord Jesus, I'm all over the place. <laughs> okay, um, Jesus. So, um, all right, here's a really cool story, I believe, to, to nail this thing that happened to us in transition. There's actually two. But um, this one right here, when Amber and I, we were students at a small Bible college in Dunn. And while we were there, the Lord had revealed to me at that point in my life, 
you know, you're, you're called to preach the gospel. And I, I knew that much of it. I didn't know anything else. I'm in a, in a Bible college studying for that. Don't, don't know what that looks like. Now, I have a lot of voices, a lot of people around me saying, I think you're going to be this. <laughs> I think you're going to be that. The whole environment defining who I am kind of deal. And, and, and I'm, I'm listening because you want to be honoring, right? You want but, but then all of a sudden, uh, something happens. And the, the dean of students calls me into his office. He says, Mike, something's happened. I said, what is it, Jeff? He said, a church is called up, and they have no pastor. And they're dying. They're about to close their doors, and they are dying for somebody just to come preach to them. They have nobody. He said, well, you do it, and, you know, Bible college student, I mean, you're training for that. You're like, yes, an opportunity, absolutely. So the Lord opens the door. It's a little church of God in Selma, North Carolina. We, we go and visit the first, the first visit, I'm with the elder, and he, he interviews me, and he's like, the first thing he says is, son, as long as you stick to the old King James, you'll be good in this church. <laughs> the only thing I ever knew was the NIV Bible. So I was like, oh, my Lord. Oh, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> but I walked through it. <clears throat> so there was a, a younger guy that helped get me there, and, and we really bonded. So basically, long story short, we take, that, we take that role, and once a month, we go into this church. Now, they don't even have money to turn on the sanctuary lights or the building. We're in a tiny fellowship hall, and as we're in that fellowship hall, uh, I just, we go Sunday morning. The first day there, the Lord moves. There's literally eight or nine people. The average age was probably 70, 65, and, and we're in there, and um, the Lord moved. And so he comes up. He says, we've already taken a vote. We want you to come back. So I said, okay. Well, the other thing, side of the story was, there was another preacher that they also had filling the spot, and we had never met. So there was him and me, and we went on this rotation to just come on Sunday morning and speak at this church. That's it. No administrative stuff, no nothing. That was all that they wanted. After six months, the Lord blesses this church, and it explodes. It starts growing. The, the money start coming in. We move back into the sanctuary. Children's ministry comes. Marriage couples. I mean, it just, over six months, it just blows up. People coming in from the streets. And, and it's like, wow, this is really cool. The guy calls me back, and he says, Mike, we've moved into a good place now. And he said, we've took a vote in our elders, and we want to offer you the senior pastorate position for this church. And I was like, wow, you know, honored. But at the same time, I'm like, there's something inside like, hmm, I don't know. You know, it's really good. It fits the word. It fits the vision, right? It fits what God had been speaking. I'm in Bible college for this very thing. It seems like a great opportunity, a great door that's opening. And all of a sudden, I, I struggled with this thing. And it was tough. Because we bonded with them. We bonded with their kids. And that was a challenge. And they said, you can give us your answer on Sunday. The, the next day I would be there to share at the end. And I said, okay. So I had my answer, which was no. We felt like that wasn't what the Lord was calling us to do right now, which was very hard. And so we went up there. And that day I, I'm rushed with the kids who had made construction paper cartoon things of, Mr. Mike, will you be our preacher? Check box, yes or no. I mean, just I still got them in my office. I mean, it's just heart-wrenching stuff. And so I was like, okay. And so we went through with it, and we shared why we're not going. They received it. It was a very honoring thing. And so we left. Well, we were in a major transition. We were getting ready to transition to actually serving as an internship at a, at a Baptist church in Jacksonville. And we knew we were committed to that. And that was our transition. 
So the open door, we said no. We go to the summer. We do our internship. Now we come back to school. This is about three months after that last encounter with this church. Three months later, we are, we are in Smithfield, North Carolina. Me and Amber go catch a movie. We run into one of the members of the church. She's ecstatic. She's like, oh, my goodness, you got to come to church. you got to come back. You, gotta come. you won't believe what's happening. And we were like, wow, really, it's, it's exciting. So we had nowhere to go that Sunday. So Amber and I, we pulled up in that church, and we couldn't even find a parking spot. We couldn't even find a spot. And man, I wept the whole way in. I wept the whole way through those doors. And we just sat in the back. And I learned something. The man that was, we were sharing it, he was the one that was chosen to be the senior leader of that church. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, Michael, just keep trusting, keep going. I have a plan. I believe if we would have took that position, we could have never went to Regent. Could have never went on shared testimony on television. And not even maybe be here today. If we would have taken that thing, and my whole point in saying that, it was a great door. It was a great opportunity. It came in the middle of our transition when everything was shaky, and it was very easy to respond to because it lined up with everything. But we held back, and we said, God, only what you want. Only what you want. And we didn't respond to fulfill the need. And I believe the Lord just blessed it out of that for us. And, and so I just want to encourage you this morning. If you're in transition, the Lord is with you. Just keep your hunger. Stay sharp. Don't quit. Stick to the plan. Be faithful to the call and the vision that he's given you. Don't drift over here. And don't drift over there, even if it's a good opportunity. Because the Lord will be faithful to your faithfulness. And he will show you a way out. Amen? Amen. You stand with me? Yes, Jesus, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Whoa. Woo. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Jesus. Is it, is it okay we get the word? I don't know if the worshipers are here. If we could take a few moments and... Uh, just engage with the Lord for a moment. <clears throat> Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for your hunger, Lord. The hunger you put inside of us, Lord. So I feel like, I feel like today, of course, there's many of us in transition. And you may not understand why. And I just want to comfort you with it's okay. God sees and God knows. And God's going to work his will out. He's going to bring good out of everything. Thank you, Lord. And right now, I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Let's just, let's just pray to the Lord and press in for a moment. Holy Spirit, we thank you and we welcome you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you would begin to open every heart that you would begin to open every mind, that you would begin to open every soul. Lord, you know us. You know where we're at, Lord. And Jesus, I pray right now that you would begin to send answers, Lord, that you would begin to send new vision, 
new insight to what is really going on. Lord, that you would open up the eyes of our church. Father, that you would open up the eyes of us individually, Lord, that we could truly see beyond the veil and that we could truly see where you're taking us and you're taking things, Father. Lord, I pray for the right measure of your grace and your love to come down right now. Come and feel that need that only you can come and fill. Bring clarity, Lord, where there's been cloudiness. Lord, bring answers where there's been questions, Father. Bring direction where there's been confusion. Draw us together. Father, we're not, we're not perfect, God. We, we mess this thing up, Lord. We fall short of your glory. But God, you're a good Father. And you have an ability to take our wrongs and make them right. Jesus. So I just want to uh, just want to encourage you right now. I just this is what I feel the Lord. I feel like if you're in transition, like let me back up. If you're here and you you do not know the Lord, we want to give you an opportunity to know the Lord and and to ask God into your heart and and, and to to turn your life to Him. And I want to call up some ministry team members. If you feel led to come up and pray with folks, come, come on up here, guys, and just line this altar. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you're struggling, you think you know him and you don't know him, I just encourage you, come down to one of these prayer ministers and just, just say, please pray with me. I'm not sure about my salvation. I'm not sure where my relationship is with the Lord. I, I need help. I can't see. I can't get my way out. Come on down. But the second call that I felt too, and, and we've already seen a lot of healing and breakthrough earlier, is how I do want to give a response to this transition word. And if you are in transition right now, I mean serious transition, and you don't understand why it's going on or where it's happening, and you feel in a lost place, come on forward right now. And, and when worship team's going to lead us, and they're going to take us into a place, and, and as they come in, I want you to come and receive prayer. And let's just let the presence of God, let's let the worship of God come and bring clarity and bring healing and bring comfort to where we are right now. So I want you to encourage you to come on up. Let's press in. Let's end this thing on a good note today.